Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that as your children, uh, you never cast us out, and uh, you love us unconditionally. And uh, we thank you that uh, you listen to us, you hear our prayers, and uh, we just pray for uh, your help tonight as we seek to grow in Christ, and uh, as our hearts are heavy with um, several of our uh, church family losing family members over the last week. Uh, we just pray for those families that you would comfort them and uh, help us to uh, encourage them as well. And uh, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight to look at Colossians 3 and just pray that you would uh, give us eyes to see and a heart to know your truth and that we live according to it. And uh, we thank you for uh, your word and for Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. All right, Uh, hopefully you grabbed a handout from the back. So we're studying Colossians, life in our supreme and sufficient Savior. And part of the background of the book is uh, the book was written to address the false teaching that was occurring in the church. And so that's what the lesson was last week, uh, was Paul addressing uh, some of the things that were going on there. So they were struggling, turning away from Christ to mysticism and legalism. So they're trying to bring God down to themselves in legalism. So if I do these certain things, then God will bless me and give me uh, things that I want. My life will go the way I want it to. And then uh, mysticism, where we bring ourselves up to God on our own terms. So specifically what was going on with the Colossian church is they were... Um, trying to get to God through angels and uh, different things like that. So the encouragement from last week is that true religion isn't found in the sensational, in rituals, um, in keeping a set of rules. True religion is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what this whole book is about. And so we chose Colossians 2, 9 through 10 to be our theme verse because it answers that question of where do we find God, where do we find religion? Where do we find relationship? It's in the fullness of Jesus. So the verse says, For in Him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. So we don't need other things. We have everything we need in Jesus. And so the theme for the class is life in our supreme and sufficient Savior. And then as a part of that, The book is kind of broken up into two parts, so we're going to finish part one tonight. Part one is about how uh, we need to think as Christians, uh, the preeminence of Christ in Christian thinking, and so we'll see that especially in the phrase, set your mind on things above. And then the second part gets into more of the practical things, and we'll look at that in the coming weeks, but it gets into uh, how to put off sin. Um, how to live in the home. So there's things addressed to wives, husbands, children, parents, uh, servants, masters, uh, things in the church, how we're to to serve each other. Uh, So it's going to get really practical in the second half, building off of what we've learned in the first half. 
uh, which is a lot of the doctrine of Christ and what we know of him. So coming to uh, chapter 3 tonight, uh, we saw last week man's attempts at change. So as believers, we understand that basically we're bad, we can't get to God on our own, and he's the one that has to change us. Um, but then in, in the Christian life, it's easy to, to stray from that and kind of try our own thing uh, to, to try and show other people that we're righteous or to make ourselves feel better. Um, there's all sorts of different reasons we get off track. But when we get to uh, the end of chapter 2 and then verse 3, Paul calls them to, to refocus. Okay, There's all these paths where we can get off in the Christian life, but he's going to say, no. You've died with Christ. Focus your mind on Jesus and, and don't get sidetracked by things. I have a key. Thanks. Yep. Um, so, what he's going to talk about here seems really um, hypothetical. It doesn't feel real. Uh, the, the experiences of our lives say that this doesn't work and uh, we shouldn't do this. Uh, you know, how am I going to change by just thinking about Jesus is, is kind of the way uh, we might look at this text. Or maybe we're so familiar with it that it's like, oh yeah, I need to set my mind on things above, but we haven't thought practically of how to make sure we're doing that and how to know when we're not doing that. But the simplicity of these statements is beautiful, and this is the most basic aspects of the Christian life. This is what we should be spending our time doing, is focusing our life on Christ and thinking about Jesus. Um, so before we get into that, I have a quote I want to read by G.K. Chesterton. He's kind of a famous uh, historical writer from church history. And this is from uh, an essay he wrote called, On Running After One's Hat and Other Whimsies. That's what it's called. Doesn't that sound super fun? Uh, he's a really funny writer. Um, so the basic, we're just going to read one paragraph of it, but the, the, the whole story of it is he's kind of arguing why is it embarrassing for someone uh, to like have their hat blow off in the wind and to run after it? Why is that embarrassing when that same person can go to a baseball field and chase a ball and that's awesome, and you know, they're praised for it. So he's kind of thinking through, like, what's the, what's the difference here when they're both running after something? So he basically comes, you can think about it in terms of like, maybe you're bringing you know, a bunch of papers out to your car and they blow away, and it's like, oh no, I'm chasing after papers and grabbing them all, and I'm embarrassed, is anyone watching? Or maybe you slip on ice, that type of thing. And he's saying, why is that embarrassing when in, when in another context, it's great to do that? So he's kind of addressing uh, perspective and context. So here's what he writes. The same principle can be applied to every other typical domestic worry. A gentleman trying to get a fly out of the milk, out of, yeah, out of the milk or a piece of cork out of his glass often imagines himself to be irritated. Let him think for a moment of the patience of anglers sitting by dark pools and let his soul be immediately, oh man, irritated, irradiated, with gratification and repose. So it's the idea of, so like you have a glass of milk and there's, there's something in it, you know, and you're like, ew, that's gross. Like, 
there's an irritation in that, but he's saying, imagine that you're a fisherman and you're like trying to catch this big fish. Uh, again, I have known some people of very modern views driven by their distress to the use of theological terms to which they attach no doctrinal significance merely because a drawer was jammed tight and they could not pull it out. A friend of mine was particularly afflicted in this way. Every day his drawer was jammed and every day in consequence it was something else that rhymes to it. But I pointed out to him that this sense of wrong was really subjective and relative. It rested entirely upon the assumption that the drawer could, should, and would come out easily. But if, I said, you could picture, or you picture to yourself that you are pulling against some powerful and oppressive enemy, the struggle will become merely exciting and not exasperating. Imagine that you are tugging up a lifeboat out of the sea. Imagine that you are roping up a fellow creature out of an alpine crevice. Imagine even that you are a boy again and engaging in a tug of war between French and English. Shortly after saying this, I left him, but I have no doubt at all that my words bore the best possible fruit. I have no doubt that every day of his life, he hangs onto the handle of that drawer with a flushed face and eyes bright with battle, uttering encouraging shouts to himself and seeming to hear all around him the roar of a plodding ring. So he, he's encouraging this, this person to, to live life with a different perspective. So like the little things in life, don't let them be irritating to you. Imagine that you know, it's some epic adventure uh, where you're overcoming it. So the Christian life isn't exactly like that, but we can easily get bogged down with the mundane, uh, the things that we don't enjoy doing, uh, the tasks that even God has asked us to do that we don't want to do. And what we're going to read in this passage doesn't feel like reality for us, but it's more real than us feeling in this room right now. So it's going to talk about how our life is hidden with Christ in God and how when Jesus, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. That's kind of the end of it. And uh, thinking about how Jesus is our life, it doesn't feel like my life is hidden in Jesus, but I need to live like it. So it's kind of like, you know, the stuck drawer. <laughs> you know, I can imagine that, that I'm battling or tug-of-warring the drawer or whatever. So in life, I think we can have sanctified imagination uh, to remember who we are in Jesus. So it's going to talk about how we need to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated. So how do we do that? Well, we keep our minds focused on Him, but we remember that He's our life, and our life is with him. And so it just it changes our perspective on everything we do in life. And it can have that heroic, true sense to it. And uh, yeah, I think that can really help us to, to get a different perspective on life. The true perspective of who we really are in Jesus. So it's kind of bringing to bear our union with Jesus into real life. And so what we read about in this text is that our union with Jesus is true because we've died with Jesus and been raised to new life with him. And then in the next coming chapters, we'll see how uh, being unified with Jesus comes to bear in our lives. So if we read the texts um, that just tell you what to do, that just say, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, children obey your parents, 
you know, slaves, listen to your masters. If we just go and read those and forget that Paul's addressing people who are unified with Jesus, uh, it's like you're just there wrestling a drawer. But when we remember that we're unified in Jesus in doing these things, wrestling with the drawer is awesome. What, what a blessing to be unified in Christ as we try to yank this drawer open. So does that illustration uh, help to see the parallel somewhat there? So let's jump in and uh, look at this together. So Colossians 3, 1 through 4 is live alive in Jesus. So again, we've just come off chapter 2 where he describes the old ways, the man's attempts at religion and self-righteousness that don't work. They don't provide real change. Real change comes when we focus our minds on Jesus. So first we'll, we'll see focus your life on Jesus from verse 1. And then the second one is fix your mind on Jesus. So Paul almost repeats himself here between verse 1 and verse 2, but he, he slightly changes it. So first we'll look at how we need to focus our life on Jesus. Uh, so in verse 1 he says, If then you were raised with Christ. So he already did this previously. It's a first class condition and he's not doubting whether or not they're saved. He's saying, consider because you've been raised with Christ. So he's looking to a past thing that has happened uh, to confirm that they can do this, that they can focus their life on Christ. And notice that uh, it's a past thing that happens. So it's looking back. Uh, it's not looking forward to our uh, death and resurrection. It's looking back to our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. So he did those things. He died. He rose again. And then when we trusted in him, uh, we were... Uh, put to death, which we'll talk about in verse 3, and then raised to new life with Christ. And that with is no insignificant thing. Like, we've been united to Jesus in his death and resurrection, and that's a big deal. So, consider this. Because you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. So, this is the idea of continually pursuing something. Uh, having, having a destination in mind and kind of refocusing all the time to keep heading towards that thing. So it's the idea of focusing your life um, on something specific. So he notes uh, that it's the, uh, the things which are above, and then he clarifies what things he's talking about. Uh, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So I think he starts with this idea of heaven, the, the realm above, because he wants to draw attention to uh, the power and authority of Christ. So where is Jesus? He's ascended. He, he's gone to the Father's right hand because he's completed his salvation work. And now he's interceding for us um, at the Father's right hand. So, so we're to look up because that's where Jesus is living right now. His residence is in heaven. Uh, he is seated at the right hand of God. And it's a place of power. And uh, I think it's, a, it's significant that he's seated there. So when you read Hebrews 1, uh, it discusses how Jesus, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Father on high. And uh, I think it's the, the seated part is pointing out that it's over. Jesus paid for our sins. 
gave us his righteousness. It's done. Our salvation is paid for. So he sat down. His salvation work was finished. He's provided the, the wrath-removing sacrifice. And so we have a similar uh, idea here where we're to look up to where Christ is and he's seated in a position of, of power, access to God, and uh, we see his authority um, and salvation there as well. So a couple of the really helpful things in here I just want to point out again is the idea that because we're raised with Christ, uh, we can do this. This is possible for us. Paul's saying uh, this is the right response to, to being a believer, to being raised with Christ. And then we need to keep seeking uh, Christ. Keep seeking the things which are above where Christ is. So in life, there's exit ramps all over the place. Uh, you think about things that maybe you have focused your life on at one point or another uh, that are even good things. But we got to be careful that, that the, the roadmap, the direction we're going in life is to Jesus. And we can do everything else along the way while we do that. So when our life is, is roadmap to Jesus, we can go over to chapter 3 and consider wives, in verse 18, wives submit to your own husband as is fitting in the Lord. So because, wife, your life is focused, you're, you're heading right towards Jesus, you can submit to this guy. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Husbands, because your life is focused on Jesus, and that's the road you're on, you're able to love this woman and, and not have bitterness towards her. Even if it's well-deserved in human terms, uh, we can give that up because my life isn't focused on uh, getting everything I want out of marriage. My life is focused on Jesus. That's the direction I'm heading. I don't want a good marriage. I want Christ, and so therefore I want a Christ-like and Christ-honoring marriage. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Again, when we focus our life on the person of Jesus, uh, we can obey and honor our parents as children. Uh, verse 21. This one's for me. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That's so easy to do as a parent uh, when you're focused on trying to make your kid turn out, uh, you know, whatever it might be. You want them to, to be good, well-behaved. You, know, you even want good things for them. You don't want them to get hit by a car. Uh, all these things... If, if that becomes the direction of my life where I need my child to fulfill all my hopes and dreams that I didn't get done or whatever it might be, uh, that's, that's not the right road. That's an off-ramp, and we need to, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So, yeah, we see that idea of keep, keep refocusing, and we will get off track. We will um, follow our own desires um, but as we study in chapter 2, because our flesh has been put to death in Christ, we can now say no to those things. We can say no uh, to the patterns of life that I want to do, uh, the path of life that I think looks best. 
so I think verse one really is uh, a focus on on the life of where where is your life heading, and now as we go into verse two through four, it goes more into the what's your mind doing. So it kind of zooms in on the person. So as believers, we've been raised with Christ. It's only right that our lives are, are focused directionally towards Jesus. We should be seeking Him. And then verse 2, uh, we should set our minds on things above, not on things of earth. And this is really the best thing that we can do any moment, any day, ever. Like, that's the Christian life, is set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. And we've just studied how what's above. Well, that's where Jesus is seated, at the right hand of the Father. And again, this is, it's not just like, hey, you're saved, think about Jesus, and then go on with your life. This is a keep setting your mind on things above, not on things of earth. So there's a contrast there, for sure. And then in verse 3, he gives the reason why we can do that. He says, for you died. That's a significant thing. <laughs> you know, you don't, how many people do you walk up to and say, hey, you died? <laughs> you know, we just read over that like, you know, I, I don't say that to people very often. Uh, <laughs> and... This is the reality of our lives, is we're dead. We're dead in Jesus. We, we died with Him, and this is life-changing for us. So our, our life that we previously lived is dead, and we, we saw how we've been raised. And so he goes into talking about this raised life, this new life, is hidden with Christ in God. So... Uh, the life we live here is, is, is good and it's true, but our, our true eternal life rests in the person of Jesus. So hidden doesn't mean that we're like looking for it. It's like a scavenger hunt or something and we're trying to find where our life is. It means that our eternal life, our true life, is hidden in the person of Jesus. So because we're unified with him, we've died, we've been raised, and then he's going to say, um, you're going to appear with him in glory. So we have been bound to Jesus. We're one with him. And so he says in verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So all of these verses are just hammering to us, you're one with Jesus. That's what's true about you. That is the most true thing about you. And that has changed your life in the past. It's changing your life now. And it's changed what will be the future in your life. And so this is the greatest thing that, that we can think about is, is Christ. Our life is hidden in Him. And that's really where our life is. So as you look at verse 3, again he says, For you died. And then he says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, you know, imagine him pointing at us and saying, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then it goes and it says, but when Christ, who is our life, so again, it's, it's showing that close connection 
uh, that our lives are hidden in Jesus, but Jesus is our life. So our life hidden in him is so combined with his life that it's the same, same, same. We're, we're unified with Jesus and his life is given to us in eternal life. And so we, uh, in a very real sense, our, our true life, our, our spiritual life, is united with Jesus where he is now. And so that should be where our focus is. Because that's, that's where Jesus is, is we should be focusing on him. And, you know, our day-to-day life, it, it feels real, it is real, but the most spiritually real, true thing about a believer in Christ is that our old man has died. We've been risen to new life with Jesus. Our current life is with Jesus, and we get to be with him when he comes again because our life is in him. So this is, in essence, you can boil down almost the entire Christian life to this. Okay, So... I sin, and someone asked me, were you thinking about Ryan when you did that, or were you thinking about Jesus? I'm probably not going to knowingly sin at times when I've set my mind on the person of Jesus Christ. And so this almost becomes uh, a synonym with the idea of being filled with the Spirit or walking with Jesus. Uh, It's this idea of, of thinking about Him instead of ourselves, and choosing to do things to please him instead of ourselves. Uh, So this has been really helpful in my own life of uh, thinking through, you know, when, when I just did that thing, even a good thing, who was I thinking about when I did that? Was I thinking about myself, or was I thinking about Jesus and others? Was I fulfilling the greatest commandment to love God and to love my neighbor? Or was I seeking to please myself or to make myself look good in that, in that thing? So it's been really helpful as a parent, too, uh, because that's a really self-clarifying question to think through, is when I just did that thing to my brother, <laughs> who, who was I thinking about? And learning to use all our gifts from God uh, to use to think on him and then, and then to please him with our lives. So I think the goal of this is not that, you know, we flip a switch. You know, spiritually we're secure. We have died with Christ. We have been risen with him. Our eternal life is hidden with uh, Jesus and God, and we will appear with him in glory. But in our minds, it just, it takes a continually refocusing, uh, rethinking and setting our mind on Jesus and who he is and choosing to think on him instead of ourselves. And uh, I hope that uh, illustration I read at the beginning is helpful to think through that, that in life, what I see and feel and think and desire for myself feels like the most real thing, the most true thing about who I am. And that's, that's the lie of the world today is who you really are is what you love, what your heart wants. But the opposite is true in Scripture. Who you really are is who you are in Jesus. And your life, your real, true life, is what you are unified in Him. And it just enables us to uh, 
to set aside all the things we'll look at next week and uh, to think on Jesus instead of ourselves uh, because that person is dead. Uh, there's a, a helpful song that I've run into that, that kind of gives a helpful summary to this text and some helpful application. It's called uh, Woke Up This Morning. It's an old, like, uh, upbeat gospel hymn, kind of. So I won't sing it. I'll just read it to you. But he kind of works through uh, the different uh, great things that happen in our spiritual life when we're thinking on Jesus, when our mind is set on Jesus. So, I woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So, that seems repetitive and and simple, but that, that is what we need to be doing in the Christian life. And it is a blessing to be able to do that. Because not everyone has died and been unified with Christ like we have. Uh, this next one, oh, I'm singing and praying with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Singing and praying with my mind, stayed on the Lord. Singing and praying with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, so yeah, it's really hard. It's kind of like thankfulness. It's hard to be grumpy when you're saying something you're thankful for. It's really hard to sing and pray uh, when you're not thinking about Jesus. Uh, this one's really helpful. Oh, you can't hate your neighbor with your mind. Stayed on Jesus. Can't hate your neighbor with your mind. Stayed on the Lord. Can't hate your neighbor with your mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so that helps us. If I'm hating my neighbor, (laughs) I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about Jesus and others. Uh, This one's really good. Now there's no condemnation with my mind, stayed on Jesus. No condemnation with my mind, stayed on the Lord. No condemnation with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So when I'm reflecting on the trueness that I will never face judgment from God again because Jesus was judged for my sin, uh, when I'm meditating on Jesus and what he's done and, and who he is, How can I feel condemned? Because what's true of me is what Jesus has done for me, not what I feel. And so when our minds are focused on the Lord, our lives are are focused on Him, uh, we can walk through life uh, without worry, really. That's another one. We can make our own mind. I can't worry with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I don't know if that fits, but you know what I mean. Uh, And that's, that's what we'll get into in the next few chapters is I can put off my sin with my mind stayed on Jesus. I can get a victory over this with my mind stayed on Jesus. I can submit to my husband with my mind stayed on Jesus. I can love my wife with my mind stayed on Jesus. I can obey my parents with my mind stayed on Jesus. Um, All these things we can do because Jesus has declared what's true about us, and we have to think, choose to think on those things, uh, not on what we may feel or the circumstances around us. So again, this book is addressed to a church. This isn't an individual thing per se. It is, but it's also a corporate thing. 
And what's super helpful about having each other is when you're really down in the thick of uh, things look bad and you know you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel or however you want to say it, you need someone to come and say, no, you, you have trusted in Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. I know it doesn't feel like it right now because you're down in this dark pit, but look, this, this is still true. You're still in Jesus, and you can set your mind on Him and trust Him through this. And so that, that's a big part of being together in the church is just having someone to come alongside of you and say, hey, Jesus is still good. He still loves you. You're, you're still uh, kept in Him, secure in Him. And to kind of to point outside of the circumstances when your circumstances say that Jesus isn't good. Jesus isn't real. You're not safe in Him. There's nothing safe in this world. And when lies like that come that we know aren't true of His children, uh, we, we can help each other to rest secured in the Lord Jesus. Um, I'll leave the, uh, the application there on that last page in your notes uh, for you guys to read through on your own at some point. But just thinking through um, how easy in your own life, whatever it might look like, it is uh, to get out of focus in life, to, to look to something else uh, for direction, for purpose, and then to, you know, what is my mind filled with? Is it filled with thinking of who Jesus is, who I am in Him, what He's doing currently for me, uh, who He is as a person, or is it filled with, uh, you know, I'm worried this is going to happen. I want this thing. I hope I get this. And, you know, do we give in to, to fear and consumerism, or are we instead setting our mind on Christ and growing in Him? Uh, any other thoughts with those four verses? Or questions or anything that you might have thought of? Yeah, Linda. I'm sure as we work through this, we'll see more of this, but 16 and 17, which precede those ones that you were talking about being practical. Yes. Um, it's the word of Christ dwelling in us that will teach us and instruct us. And I find the Holy Spirit continually gives me songs. And yes. I'll be humming and singing something before I even know what it is. And then I'm like, wow, I need that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and then whatever you're doing, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, so as though you're going to go to the bank in Jesus' name. You're going to do whatever you're doing in the name of Jesus. As right. though he was doing that thing. Yeah. And it helps to know him. And so it's really good to study in the Gospels and just take your time. And um, I love going through it real slow to, to write down what I see and learn about him. Um, it helps yeah. me see his personality, his, um, his loves and values. Mm-hmm. Um, makes loving him better. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, there's lots of practical things, but the most necessary thing is God's Word. That we run to that. And I've recently been reading uh, One Perfect Life by John MacArthur, and it's a chronological reading of the life of Jesus. And it's just really fascinating to, to see the Gospels 
combined and put in order in events and things like that, according to you know one person's judgment of it. Um, but yeah, just reading the Gospels is, is perfect and super helpful. Good. Yeah, Dale. I'm just reminded in verse 3, I can't cite the proverb, but in Proverbs we're told, a righteous man falls seven times hmm. and he gets up again. And I was thinking about uh, the third verse that uh, when we're hidden in Christ, hmm. when we receive Christ, he has paid for our sin and not merely covered them, but washed them away as if they were never there. Hmm. And when we fall in sin, I think our human propensity is to kind of get into this mental rut. And right. I, I'm reminded of people that excel in athletics and other things where when they made a mistake, they recognize that was a mistake, it's over, I'm not going to do that again. It's, it's a matter of keeping our eyes focused on Him right. rather than focus back on our failure. Right. And um, we have to deal with the fact that, yes, we did sin and acknowledge that, but then we need to realize that He it makes, it, makes it possible for us to get up and go forward. I think that's part of the reality that God will never hold that against us because he's paid the debt. Right. Not that we should exercise it. Some people go off to the side. But, right. But it's a mental thing of acknowledging and moving forward. Yep. Recognize the reality of our future. That's really good. It's just a thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that, that can be... Uh, I'm trying to remember the, in Hebrews, I think it is, where it talks about, you know, running the race set before you, throwing off every encumbrance, encumbrance and sin that yeah. entangles or something yeah, like right, that. Right. And right. I think the encumbrance can be guilt yeah. over that sin. We, or, can, we can have things go wrong and feel guilty for the rest of our life. And there's a lot of people walk around like that. Right. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's the truth of the text is, you know, there's no condemnation with my mind stayed on Jesus. And so when we have those thoughts, we got to run to the Lord and say, I know you've paid for this and I can move on and I can trust you. And that's what it looks like. Good. All right, we'll keep thinking on these verses. I think this is the the engine of the Christian life. That's to oversimplify it um, and a bad illustration. <laughs> but if you miss this, then you just end up doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Or doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. Uh, we're here because we're unified with Jesus. We're one with Him. And so we've gone through His death, resurrection, ascension we have his life and so this this is what fuels our lives is the lord jesus and thinking on him so yeah i thought about for this class just being like read it and say the most important thing you can ever do any moment of your life is to think about jesus and do your next move based on that and i think that's at the heart of the whole Bible is that we, we look to God in these things and love Him. And that's 
a lot of what we see when we get into the home section there. Um, Wives, submit your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So Paul's even going to point back and say, hey, you're unified with Jesus. Do, do this as pleasing to him. And uh, it says it again with the children. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So this is the, the, the heart of why we do anything is because Jesus has done this for us, unified us to himself, and now asks us to to know him and set our mind on him. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.